And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode 396. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris, and it is so gorgeous outside right now. I can't even believe it. I just spent two and a half hours outdoors, and it's been a while since it's been really, really nice like this. I've been able to to get out. I've got all the windows open. There's a breeze blowing through the apartment, so if you hear anything you know, bang or rattle, that's probably why. And I'll tell you, I was outside for about two and a half hours before starting this recording, and I didn't want to come back inside <laughs> because it is so gorgeous outside, and it is truly uh, springtime, and you know everything is in bloom. We've got the cherry blossoms. We've got magnolia trees outside blooming. We've got apple blossoms. We've got everything blooming, and of course, my allergies are going crazy. So yeah, if you hear me sniffing, snorting, yeah, you'll know why. But y'all are used to that. You've been listening to it for 10 years. Anyway, this is kind of an awkward episode to make because, as you know, this is the final mythology episode of the podcast, and I didn't want to start something new, obviously. So this time we're actually going to take a similar approach, not though not an identical approach. This is going to be a less focused approach, and we're going to look at mythology and religion and belief and how that relates to society in a more broad and general way. This is actually going to be a lot more like the discussions I used to have on my old podcast, Tom Harris USA. And this is going to be a more personal story, perhaps, than anything that I've covered on on the show before. However, before we get started with that, I actually have a piece of commentary that I'm going to read out to you. This is actually in response to our last mythology episode. And this feedback is from Mr. Gene Hendricks. And we received this back in January. And he said, Tom, I just listened to your latest mythology episode and I have to say, well done. Well, thank you very much, Gene. Appreciate that. As a worshiper of the Norse gods and celebrator of Yule, I just kept nodding my head while listening. One thing that I should point out is that the Tompton aren't just a Yule thing. They are the spirits of the home and are around all year long. We even have a stone by our fireplace from the yard of our first house, which weighs about 10 pounds. I'm assuming you meant the rock and not your first house, because that would be really light for a house. And that is where our Tompton lives. He does have a tendency to mess with my wife, hiding things, appearing where she can just see him in the corner of her eye, etc. But he's generally good-natured. And that came from Gene. Oh, thanks, Gene. I appreciate that. Um, it's interesting that you have an elf living in your house. Uh, you know, I, I used to have discussions with uh, Robert, who is uh, one of our listeners. I think he might still be listening to the show. I really don't know. But uh, Robert uh, is often claimed to be the king of the elves. And when I visited Iceland, we, we had uh, several discussions about, uh, about the uh, elves in Iceland. And, of course, Iceland is still a place where the general population exhibits, at least on paper, a sort of widespread belief in fairies and elves and that sort of creature. 
Now, having said that, I'm really not sure that this is a belief that's really that that deeply ingrained in the culture. I know that a lot of people will put up little elf houses and things, but I think that if pressed, I think you will find a more typical European attitude on the part of the Icelanders that that maybe they don't believe in the elves as a serious thing. Here in America, you would expect, okay, well, you know, people believe what they believe very fervently, and that's not something that you find in Europe. They're not as earnest in their beliefs, and a lot of times you would get kind of a, a nudge and a wink kind of, of an attitude about these things. So people would say, yeah, we believe in them because Icelanders believe in elves, and, and it, it is just sort of what we do. I certainly have always gotten the sense that there is sort of a sense of humor about it and that it's not taken really all that seriously, though you do hear stories about you know people redirecting roads and public works and that kind of thing because they're afraid of offending elves. So who knows? I mean, this is something that's, that's kind of a, I think it's kind of a, an interesting quirk of Icelandic culture. And I guess this is something that I was going to touch on, at least uh, in the main part of the discussion, is that there's a difference in the way that, that some cultures will view you know, cultural tradition or, or a piece of lore like, like the Tomten. The way we view things from our very puritanical standpoint here in the States, the, way, the, the difference between the way a Scandinavian would think of it and the way an American think of it, I've noticed this, and not just in regards to things like, like Tomten, but also in, in religious sense in general. I think I talked about this in prior episodes too when we were talking about uh, Asatru. And I remember back in uh, episode 52 when we talk, talked with uh, David Caron of The Troth. It seemed to me that, that the Asatru believers in America take it much more seriously than they do in Iceland and you can go back and actually listen to this episode. This was when I was talking to Ragnar Olafsson back in episode number 203. And, and we talked about uh, you know, the Asatru community up there. And it seems to me, it's interesting because of the, the, the different cultural backgrounds, how the, the viewpoint was different. And it's something that I, I kind of uh, regret not do, going into more detail on because I, I find that both of those episodes really interesting. And I went back and listened to both of them recently. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting to, um, to compare. And this feeds into one of, my, one of the premises that I'm talking about this week. And that, of course, is what happens to, to mythological lore over time and as it becomes more ingrained in society and how it can become twisted in in society depending on whatever the, the socioeconomic situation is whatever the political situation is most mythological beliefs as i see it are are very neutral or positive they don't do any harm and they often can do good and i think where things go off the rails to a large extent is when you go from lore to doctrine or from lore to a political view that you know would would kind of extend in, a, in an odd way from it and we've seen this in history a number of times the weaponization of 
of a culture, the weaponization of religion. We saw it in the Roman era with Christianity being you know, turned into a weapon to, to persecute others outside of the empire. We saw this in 1930s Japan where we had state Shinto. And you know, I can't imagine a less offensive or violent belief than Shinto. But yet this was turned into a, a tool of extreme nationalism on the part of the Japanese government back in the 1930s, which led to all sorts of, of atrocities against the Chinese and others. I think that this idea in general is, a, is a, of particular concern as, as we go forward in history. I, I think that this is a lesson that, that a lot of people ignore. And you can see the rise of Christian nationalism here in this country and to a lot of people, Christianity is a pretty harmless or positive thing. And knowing how easy it is, even in the space of a generation, to change that is something that is very concerning to me. Not least because I think that this is a problem that a lot of people see as happening to other people in other parts of the world who aren't us. And I think if you are, are more objective, you can see that this is not something that is simply happening outside of this country. This is something that, that happens worldwide, and it is cyclical. This happens on a regular basis. This is a part of the human condition, an unpleasant part to be sure, but it is something that is a known quality. This is something that sociologists have been describing for a very long time, and anthropologists have been describing for a very long time. And for the last 40 years, the rise of Christian nationalism in, in the States is something that I've observed with my own eyes. So it's not hard to understand how seemingly innocuous beliefs or inoffensive beliefs, like we were talking about with Shinto earlier, can be turned into something very ugly indeed. And of course, the most disturbing aspect of this is that this is not rare. This happens all the time and nobody is immune. And let's be fair, it's, it's pretty easy to find these folks. They're out there and it's not hard to find them. And there was a time when, I think you remember, I had been talking with various uh, people from, from Asa True Groups. And I was actually kind of looking to talk to somebody from one of these Volkish organizations because I wanted to see if maybe they were being misunderstood. I wanted to find out you know, why they were not uh, open to, say, African-Americans joining their, their groups, etc. And the more I dug into that and the more I looked into it, the more I realized that I didn't want to give any of these people a forum. We have enough problems in the in the racial arena at this point in time. Why would I want to amplify what these folks are saying? So that's why I chose not to engage with them. Okay, so now that I've talked that topic to death, I'm going to move on to something else. <laughs> so some time ago, I actually had a conversation with somebody who is not a, a geek. He's not a comics person. He's not a podcast listener. He's never heard my show as far as I know. But we were talking about what I do on the podcast, and I kind of my my elevator pitch for my show has always been, well, I read old Thor comics and I make fun of them, and then sometimes I cover the actual mythology that these comics are based on. And this guy was fascinated by that aspect of 
you know, of the show's production. And he asked me if spending a lot of time thinking about Norse mythology has given me a different appreciation for it. And it's a question that I, I've come back to mentally a few times, just, you know, remembering that conversation and thinking, has it really changed my view of Norse mythology, having spent so much time with it? And I have to say, I, I have. It, it has made a difference. Now, I've always been a fan of mythology. I've always enjoyed the stories. And when I was younger, it was certainly at a more surface level. And as I became older, and uh, when I first got the Kevin Crossley Holland book, I absolutely devoured it. And then like, this is amazing. And then kind of set it back on the shelf and left it for a good many years. And it was not something that I revisited uh, time and time again. But the opportunity that I've had here with Radio Free Asgard to explore this mythology and explore this lore has been really, really, uh, it's been edifying. I don't know any other real word for it uh, other than that. And I really do feel that I have a different perspective on Norse mythology, having covered the entirety of Norse mythology twice, first through Kevin Crossley Holland and then, of course, through Neil Gaiman. And I definitely think that over the last 10 years, my view of Norse mythology has changed, and definitely for the better. And I think, of course, that that's a natural progression from what any person would experience as you become more familiar with a topic, as you learn more about something that you're already kind of familiar with. Going back and rereading books is something that, of course, I've done many times in my life, and every time you go back and you read something, particularly if it's something fairly complex, you're going to discover new things about it. You're going to see things from a slightly different point of view because as time goes on, you're a slightly different person and your, your viewpoint can change over time. And certainly from the time that you're a kid to the time you're you know, in your late 50s, there, there's a big change in, in the way you perceive things. So revisiting things often is something that you know, it's something that's always kind of been a part of my life. Back when I was younger, I used to reread the Lord of the Rings trilogy every year, uh, and I would always get a little bit something different out of it. It's, it's a tradition that I haven't kept up for some time, but, you know, some, something that uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do again in the future. But it's interesting how I see a lot more color in these the stories than I used to, particularly having dramatized them and having done the work of an actor of, of marking notes in, in the book, getting an idea when I'm reading a passage of what I'm going for. And I haven't always done that extremely successfully. For the last adaptation that we covered, the Neil Gaiman adaptation, I really felt like it was more my responsibility to give voice to Gaiman rather than give voice to the characters. Uh, because Gaiman, of course, anything he writes, he is a character in that in that story, and in a way that other writers are not. There, there's this essential Gaimanness that comes across in everything that he does, and I wanted to make sure that, as well as telling the story, that 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 little note was in there as well. This is just a kind of a, a very brief insight into what I was, uh, you know, experiencing as a performer which I do consider myself as, as a performer, as an actor, 
uh, going through these stories. But like I was saying, it's, like, it's getting off topic again. You notice a lot more color in the stories when you're covering them in a more in-depth way. And certainly as you read and reread a particular chapter of, of the mythology in preparation for recording. And it's like studying any text as an actor, you try to get a better sense of people's motivations, the characters, what, what, they're, what they want. And I see the, the Norse mythology as given to us by, by Sturluson as being a pretty nuanced and, and 3D world. It isn't just an adventure story. It isn't just a commentary on the way that people interact with each other. It's not just a, an exploration of character, but it's all of these things together, like any good work of fiction or any good play, any good text that you're working on. So it's, it's something that I've come to really appreciate and looking at these very flawed characters that the, the Norse have, have presented to the world. And we have, you know, the all-powerful Odin, who, you know, is not a Stanley Jack Kirby character in any way. He's not a heroic character, particularly. He is very deceitful. He is very vindictive. He is very sly. He sneaks around in disguise. He betrays people at the drop of a hat, even though this is something that the Vikings would not have valued in their society. You know, he is not a super heroic character in the sense that you sometimes see him in the comics. And in the comics, Odin is a dick, and I'm glad that that's something that, that Stan Lee kind of established at the very beginning, because this is a character that you know, was a dick in mythology. And Thor... You know, in, in comics, obviously, is very different from the Thor that we see in in comics. In that, you know, the, we have the square jawed, ultra noble hero in in the comics, and in the myths, he was often a bit dumb and easy to manipulate and not very smart. And so, it's definitely interesting how even the unsympathetic character of Loki, who is a character that I think was designed not only to, uh, you know, for people to, to boo and hiss at because he's the bad guy in a lot of the stories, but people are also disgusted by him because he changes his sex. He, you know, he mates with, with horses and, and gives birth to, to cults. You know, it, it's not a, a character that is presented as admirable. But at the same time, Loki often saves the day. He often is the one who comes up with a solution to a problem. You know, and there's that, that nuances in that you get the idea that there was a, a moral relativism in these stories that the Vikings who, who were telling them around their fires at night we're very aware that you know nobody is fully bad and there is nobody who is fully good. You know, there are people who are bad by nature and they will always be bad, but they'll help you sometimes. You know, that there is that that humanity that is put on top of these mythological characters that I think is I think almost unique to the the Norse myths. 
more, I think, more so than the Greek myths. The, the, the Greek gods were always, to me, a little bit more standoffish. They didn't mix among humans as readily unless they wanted to fuck them. You know, you, I can't imagine the, the nuance in a character like, like Zeus or Hermes that you see in a character like Odin or Loki. Thor is kind of a three-note character, really, when you go back to the myths. I mean, he's angry all the time. He's kind of dumb and, you know, and that kind of thing. He, he's not one of the more nuanced ones. But, but some of these characters are really interesting. And, of course, I've often said it's a, it's a huge tragedy that we don't have all of the stories. We know that there are a lot of stories that are missing. There's a lot of holes in the narrative. And you know that the Vikings certainly were telling these stories around their fires at night, but nobody ever got around to, to writing them down. So those stories are lost to us now unless somebody finds some you know, hidden trove of, of, of Viking stories. At this point, that seems highly unlikely, though. But yeah, so that's how I think that I've come to a better appreciation of these of these stories through this podcast. And and I, you know, I think that uh, that is a great thing. And I want to thank all of you for listening to these stories with me and experiencing them with me. You know that I'm a little bit lazy. I don't do my research the way I should. I do do a lot of work and, and you know, when I'm doing the, the, the dramatic readings of the stories, I actually do sit down and I, I sometimes will make notes in the margins and of, okay, this is what this character wants in the story and do the sort of text analysis that, um, that, that an actor does. And I really do appreciate everybody for the, the support that I've had in regards to these to these stories. The uh, compilations of the Norse myths that I put out a, a few years ago that compiled the Kevin Crossley Holland myths, those continue to be some of the most downloaded files on the feed. Uh, people do really like those, and I don't get any feedback from them, but I do see that people are still discovering them and, and these these episodes are still being downloaded. And yeah, and that's very gratifying to see. And I'm also gratified that, you know, there was a another podcast that launched off the back of us because they heard my readings of, of the Kevin Crossley Holland mythology and decided to go and start their own. I Now, I've kind of fallen out of touch with that podcast. I'm really not sure if they're still recording. As of a couple of years ago, they were still going. They got into like audiobooks and doing like major adaptations and with professional music that was unique and instead of just taking music from elsewhere like I do. Um, but anyway, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to say it's it's been a great uh, pleasure to present the mythologies for you. And, uh, you know, you never know in the future, maybe that's something that I, I can come back to. Um, like I said, I have other projects I'm working on right now, but that's not that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But I do appreciate everybody's support from for the mythology segments, and of course, we do still have uh, a few more episodes of Ultimate Thor, and then of course we have episode 400, where we're just kind of kind of sum up the whole kit and caboodle, and and uh, hope that you all stick around for that. All right, and with that. I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time for Ultimate Thor number two on Radio Free 
Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.